safer sex. Intercourse. Condoms. Sexually transmitted infection. HIV. HIV. Sexual health. Treatment. Prevention. Sexual attraction. Sexually transmitted infection. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name's Tom and this is the Sydney Sexual Health Centre podcast where we talk about all things related to sexual health. Health is an area where there are many intersecting factors that can prevent people from accessing the care that they need. This is particularly true in sexual health. Acknowledging and responding to different needs in service access can sometimes be referred to as applying an equity lens. But what does this look like in practice? To discuss how this is done on a district level, I am joined by the South East Sydney Local Health District Equity Manager, Evan Freeman. If we don't use an equity lens, the people who are most disadvantaged will be continually left behind. I am then joined by Maggie Ma, one of the Sydney Sexual Health Centre Health Promotion Officers, who works with our Chinese-speaking consumers. They have a HIV or a STI. Um, they may have to face on those uh, things and make them very stressful. They prefer don't know don't know about that. Yeah. But first up is Evan. Equity itself uh, is grounded in uh, the social determinants of health and social justice. So we bring that into healthcare and in particularly sexual health. We are trying to make sure that the care we provide and give access to people uh, actually are able to actually get that care that they need when they need it and how they need it to make sure that it fits their their lifestyle needs, their um, the things that will make sure that health care is going to be successful for them and their outcomes are going to be uh, uh, as good as anyone else. Evan has a diverse role ensuring that equity considerations are included in policy and planning processes. Well, uh, before this role, was a few years ago now, uh, I was working in Aboriginal health uh, in the prison system. So that actually really opened my eyes around equity in particular um, and the outcomes for people, uh, Aboriginal people in particular in prison uh, and their pathways into prison. And so uh, this was almost a natural fit for me to go straight into something with equity where it's the determinants of health, the determinants of incarceration and all those sorts of things that influence the outcomes of people in their life. Social determinants of health are non-medical factors that influence health outcomes. They may include things like income and employment, access to affordable healthy food, or the impacts of insecure housing, to name a few. Absolutely, the social determinants of health are very important. Uh, we don't I suppose a lot, a lot of places don't take much notice of the social determinants, but they're the, the key factors that influence people's choices, their, the, the, how they can access healthcare. Uh, so from housing, access to transport, um, even as things like their, people's education and attainment of education, what that means to them and their ability to then uh, take on board health messaging. So these are really fundamental things that if people don't have um, some of these sort of building blocks for their, in their life, these really impact potential outcomes, whether that be smoking, increasing smoking rates, then therefore they have the, the outcomes of increased cancer rates, people the way they may use drugs or alcohol, um, 
how, how people have relationships even are all determined by these social determinants of health. So uh, the, the, um, you can be very specific in some of these things, but they also can be very general, pervasive throughout someone's life. Here in the South East Sydney Local Health District, we have a wide diversity of consumers that access health services. The ways that health concerns can impact different populations of people differently really struck home for me last year when I was doing some COVID contact management. On one call, I'd be speaking to someone with multiple bedrooms and bathrooms in their house in Vaucluse who had no trouble isolating from others in their household. The next call, I'd be speaking to people not so well off. I remember calling one young person in particular, an international student from Pakistan. He was living in the lounge room of a two-bedroom unit in Kensington, with a curtain separating him from his housemates. He was worried that he couldn't work because he had COVID and wouldn't be able to afford rent or food. When I asked him for the names of his flatmates so I could let them know they were close contacts, he told me that though he lived with them, he didn't know their names. Fortunately, we were able to get him into some hotel accommodation. Clearly, some groups of people need more support than others. Yeah, South East Sydney is an interesting area. It has great wealth in a lot of areas, but there's a lot of uh, sort of parts of the population and communities, subsections of communities, who are um, quite uh, sort of disadvantaged. So these these groups in in area we try to focus some of our work on, which is important, because often they need more health care. Um, and support to attain their health care than people who, who are more well-off or have more advantage. The World Health Organization defines health inequities as being differences in health status arising from social conditions. It views these differences as not being something we should accept, but rather as something that is unfair. Importantly, there are things that we can do about it. Absolutely. So, <laughs> enables themselves are us as human beings, we need to take uh, responsibility and ownership of making our health services uh, accessible. We need to be the ones who are actually identifying the groups and making sure that we're communicating with those groups to ensure that they have access as they need it. Uh, So that may well be that it's the time of appointments, where appointments are, having flexibility uh, and the knowledge to attend, making sure there's follow-up phone calls. We're, that's our systemic response and that's, that's a real important part of what we need to do to improve equity outcomes. Um, the barriers, of course, are us as well. <laughs> um, they are us and they are our systems. So it sort of is that um, bounce between the two. Uh, and also society that reinforces the barriers, particularly around sexual health, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of issues that people don't actually want to go to see sexual health services or even speak to their local GP because there's a lot of fear and shame around you know, um, people and, and, and the fear of being labelled around sexual behaviours. And, and so those things we have to try and work on as well as, as a barrier. That means uh, educating our other health professionals and services to, to try and be uh, as non-discriminatory as possible uh, and be positive as possible around those issues. Communities often have a lot of strengths that can help solve these problems. Evan helps ensure that community voices are involved in planning processes. So it's identifying strategically plans and how 
uh, pro- or projects are actually developed. So identifying community engagement processes to make sure that they are probably done in a way that is really inclusive. It's not just consult- a consultation, it's true consultation. So you're getting uh, a feedback loop. Yeah, and co- using co-design types of process. So really trying to get people to do that better because often what we see is that people do a consultation, they'll ask the same people or the same person for their opinion and they believe that's consultation. So part of my job is to actually raise the awareness of, of staff for how they do it and you actually say, well, how has how your consultation actually occurred? Because you should be doing it this way um, and supporting them to do it because you're changing behaviour um, in the way people normally do things. So you have to actually support people. So that's mainly my role. Is it, um, whether it's, again, plans, um, that's a big one too. So strategic plans, making sure there's equity um, included in it and that's uh, then followed through on the, in the monitoring of those plans to make sure they follow up with those things. The South East Sydney Local Health District Equity Strategy is an important document that helps to guide these processes through the various facilities in the district. Well, the strategy is about improving um, equity across basically and the outcomes of equity outcomes across the district and it's it's a it's a broad um, strategy that tries to touch on every area if possible uh, particularly those areas of the most disadvantage or those areas of the high, highlighted the most of concern whether it be through homelessness whether it be through language um, gender uh, and making sure uh, that the groups who are most affected are actually uh, targeted for um, appropriate services and that um, the the biggest challenge I suppose for the equity strategy is making sure it's something that people understand and can use and it's actually uh, something that people in executive really take on board. I mean it's part of strategy and it's part of, it's mentioned in our strategic directions for the organisation so which is good uh, but yeah it's something that is ongoing and it, it has a very long life, the equity strategy, because it's designed to do have effects over a generation. So it's not going away as a strategy, but it's uh, something that because so. exactly, uh, which is appropriate because you can't you can't change equity normally if it's stroke of a pen. Is even if even if you throw lots of money at equity, it doesn't change straight away. And of course, COVID has had a major impact on the healthcare system. Not only has COVID made people with more health conditions less likely to access healthcare due to concerns over their risk, it also means that there have been reduced services as the health system adapted to providing vaccinations and testing. Uh, I think that we'll, we'll see lots of lots of things that are unintended or un, unthought of consequences of COVID come through uh, and we need to be putting that equity lens over how we do things. If we don't use an equity lens, the people who are most disadvantaged will be continually left behind and we're the ones harder to catch up with their healthcare and therefore have those equity related outcomes that further further puts them back. So absolutely important. Evan had these final thoughts to share. I just would like people to really take on board equity and internalise it. Um, we as healthcare providers have the duty to do that. Uh, we live in a, a very advantaged society 
and we shouldn't be leaving people behind who really don't need to be. Uh, and that's, it is incumbent upon us to uh, think outside ourselves as clinicians in particular. Um, it's not about us. Um, and so we need to make sure it's easier and accessible our healthcare no matter where it is. My next guest is Maggie Ma. Maggie works as a multicultural health education officer supporting Chinese-speaking consumers to access sexual health services here at uh, Sydney Sexual Health Centre. So welcome to the podcast, Maggie. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for inviting me here. Uh, Can you tell me about yourself and your role at Sydney Sexual Health Centre? I'm the health education officer here. Uh, My role is to provide um, sexual health education for the patient who speaks um, multilingual. I'm doing outreach and assist with the um, attend uh, fiber scan clinic and uh, contact tracing, follow up with the healthcare, assist with the clinic, and then also assist with the healthcare worker, example, doctors, nurses, um, and the receptions and uh, helping patient to access um, senior sexual health center. And, and what sort of things makes it difficult for people you work with to access healthcare? Uh, I think it's the, the language barrier and no Medicare card, a fear to test it and then diagnose with STI and HIV. And many of the consumers you work with may have been born overseas and not have English as their primary language. Uh, what are some things that make it easier for them to access healthcare and know where to go? Social health offering uh, a direct line that speaks the same language and the health education officer. We can use um, WeChat, text message in language, uh, clinic flies with uh, maps in their language. And then we're having um, nurse speaking their language as well. And this can help them to get direct and access to the clinic. Do they make an appointment or do sometimes they just show up? Or? Uh, in the past, the, those clean, uh, we offer working clinic. Uh, they they can come in with group, they can come in along, and right now since the uh, COVID pandemic, we just start a booking appointment, which is offering uh, quite uh, occupational health safety um, issues and also is quite safe with uh, our um, clan and make them feel more comfortable with yeah. It works with their schedule. Well, yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. Um, it, they feel quite comfortable and happy uh, with the environment where we provide in here, yeah. Could you tell me a little bit about the sex worker population that you work with as well? And um, like, what makes it difficult for, for them to access a service like setting sexual health centre? To be honest, it's not really enough knowledge with the sexual health. And um, uh, without knowing lots of information, uh, they provide and protect uh, and um, sex and oral sex. Um, some of them think is that this is a part of a uh, service 
they, they need to provide. But um, with those affair, they uh, affair to the diagnosis of uh, STI or HIV. So the, 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 this is a barrier. They doesn't want to uh, come here for check. Instead of, um, you know, they are clearly find out if they have a HIV or a STI, um, they may have to face on those uh, things and make them very stressful. They prefer don't know don't know about that. Yeah. And that's a big part of your role, I guess, having those relationships and helping to make people feel more comfortable having those conversations. Yeah, yeah. So we have to provide a friendly, no judgmental service in here and uh, make them feel yeah uh, much uh, comfortable and to uh, helping them to step by step to build the re- uh, relationship and. Um, yeah, they, they set up the trust with us and then they get regular checkup, yeah. yeah. Mm. And do you have a lot of uh, people that you've been seeing for a long time who, um, who you have a relationship with? Wow, yeah. I recently received a phone call from this girl since 2019. I haven't been in uh, contact with me. And she suddenly gave me a call. I recognized her voice. I said, where are you? I haven't seen you for, you know, two years, almost three years. And she said that she, she, uh, she been, she been overseas for a little while. And then she just come back. Uh, these girls, um, having multi issues. Uh, and, um, she also been, uh, with counselor service as well, yeah. And uh, but she's a quite nice girl and very open with us. And yeah, she I have a book her for this morning, yeah. And she will pop in soon, yeah, yeah. And I suppose black like, people are traveling or like just visiting Australia, or they might not be very familiar with how the Australian healthcare system works. That's right. Yeah, some people never heard about us when I meet them and. Um, there was a surprise uh, that Australia provide a free and confidential service. And um, they often ask me, why you provide free one? So there's a question mark in there. And uh, I have to explain to them again and again. But sometimes it makes me easier because there's a co-worker working with them. They knew me. And then they said, oh, I, I can explain to you later on. So it's making my work is a lot of easier by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, I also uh, link a good relationship with the Pala owners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of the owners we still uh, in con- connected with, um, s- still, uh, even during the pandemic, and we still link with, with some owners. They have anything they want to, and we try to support them. And uh, sometimes they refer some of uh, workers to me as well. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And, and can you tell me a little bit about the, the outreach work that you do to partners? Outreach work, um, 
Yeah, so uh, usually we will visit Tapala and uh, get contact with the uh, parlor owner and link with the reception and um, uh, start uh, giving the education of the sex worker and how do they prevent STI and HIV. And also, um, basically, we provide um, client control, uh, some of the information for contraception information, uh, also uh, inform them have um, hepatitis B um, vaccine, uh, vac vac vaccine we provide for free as well, and inform them to having uh, Maintain with the um, CST screening, yeah, and um, we also offer them uh, referrals, uh, which is if they have any problem, uh, we can refer to other services, example family planning or swap or Scarlet, yeah, or other sexual health center. So you're really that um, that link with the health system. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we are also during the pandemic. We also provide some um, um, uh, financial help uh, with other services as well, um, because um, some some sex workers stuck with the, um, no income and um, no no support with families. You know, some of the refugee here, or um, they are really struggling. How do they live? And um, yeah, we refer some of the organization. They have at least they have some money, income, and also uh, they have a food, free food to provide with them, and post food to deliver the food for them as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, that the workers are quite really happy with that, yeah. Thank you very much for being on the podcast today, Maggie. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Uh, this is a nice, a very good opportunity uh, to share my experience. And um, thank you for everyone. Um, look after your health. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for the latest episode of the Sydney Sexual Health Centre podcast, where we've been discussing equity. To stay up to date with the latest information in sexual health, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. The links are in the description. If you like the podcast, please share and subscribe.